Hi, I'm Danny Simon, and I lead the New Life Fellowship Church here at Manipal. I'm so glad that you tuned in with us today to listen to our audio podcast. Do subscribe so that you can tune in every week. You know, I believe that a spoken word can change lives, and my prayer and my hope is that as you listen to today's message, it will change your life as you know it. Enjoy the message. Um, I'm excited because we know we get to start a brand. It's not a brand new series, but it's a new series, all right. And this is something. Let me say this, you know, upfront before we get into this message. Whole uh, series. We won't be looking at this for the next, you know, three to four weeks now. All right. Starting today, so that's another three more weeks. We're going to be looking into this specific topic. All right. And I want to encourage all of you to listen. Every message that we speak here is on the audio podcast. Okay, we haven't grown enough to have a video yet, but I'm praying that we would sometime. Okay, but I'm just saying, listen. At any point, you want to go back, you want to listen to all these messages that we've spoken, and you can. The links are there. All right, so I want to make sure that you do that. This is a message series that I spoke. You know, I think sometime when we began the church, which was sometime in the year 2019. Anyone of you who was here in 2019? No. Okay, so you you're perfect, you know, candidates to receive this message today, okay? And uh, I've titled you know the entire series, okay, by this title. Uh, okay, the series title is called Send Location. I'll tell you, you know, what that means in just a moment. And today we're in week one, where we're talking about exploring God. All right, we're talking about exploring God. Let me set this up for you. Um, I want you to imagine yourself in a scenario. All right. Imagine that you're in a place where you're. I mean, you're in a you're in a specific place, and your friend texts you or calls you and asks you where you are. All right. And uh, that friend, you know, when you tell them the place, they have no idea where this place is. So, what's the next thing that they will probably ask you? I shouldn't have given you the title, should I? Okay. You would probably the first thing that you would do is you would ask. I mean, your friend would probably do is ask them, "Can you send me your location?" Right? Okay. That is the first thing that we do. I mean, you know, every time you know, I have a look at Google Maps. Anyone uses Apple Maps here? I've never used it. Okay, I don't know if it's good or bad. I mean, okay, but I remember, you know, um, let me can, can I make an honest confession today? Is that okay? Can I, as a pastor, say an honest confession for all of you today? Yeah, I want to confess to you. If there's something that I'm really, really bad at, it's navigation. Okay, you put me in a place and you ask me, you know, find your way through this thing. I promise you, I will never find my way. I'll get lost. All right, I will not be able to find my way through. Okay, then I got mad, and I thought, you know, that you know, God would give me a wife who's good with navigation. It turns out, she's as bad as I am. Okay, and I figured, you know, that if, you know, someone were to take the two of us and put us in a place and say, you know, both of you, you two together, okay, find your way through. Guess what? We both will be stuck in that place forever. I mean, to me, it's good because I'm stuck with her. Okay, you probably don't understand that. Okay, but I'm just saying, listen, it's just, and I remember, you know, I was like trying to figure out, okay, and um, have you, has anyone of you, okay? Probably sure, Auntie and Auntie might have. Okay, have you ever used a proper map? You know those big folded out maps. Have you ever used that? Have you ever seen one? 
Okay, see how that That's good. So I'm just saying, you know, I remember, you know, when Google Maps came out, you know what I said? I said, Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, God, for this gift that you've given to us. I know that it is a beautiful gift that you've given to both me and my wife. I praise the Lord for that. I'm not saying Google Maps is perfect. I remember this one time we were like, you know, we, we put the spot which was given to us about the location. And Google Maps took us through, took us through, took us through, and then finally we came to a place that was wide open. Okay, and the next thing that they're saying is you have to go like around 500 meters ahead, and 500 meters ahead is like a wash ocean. And then, you know, she said, why do you keep relying on this thing? Okay. So here's, here's the reason, you know, I titled this message series as Send Location. Alright, send location, if you understand that, you know, especially today's, you know, young modern age generation, we understand what it means like to send a location. Why? Because, man, you're in a place and you're trying to tell the person where you are at. Is that not true? Think about it. The reason why you want to send your location to somebody is so that somebody who's somewhere else is knows exactly where you are and they're trying to get to where you are. Here's what I want us to understand about this entire series. When it comes to our relationship with God, when it comes to our journey or our life with God, here's what I believe about you and I believe about me. We are all at specific locations in our journey or in our life or, you know, slash in our relationship with the Lord. We're all at different levels. In, in other words, you know, let me say this, okay? Where I am in my relationship with God is probably not, definitely not where you are at your relationship with God. You might be in a better place than I am, or I might be in a better place than you are, but we are all in our own unique relationship or in a unique journey in our relationship, in our walk with the Lord. Yes? Alright? Now, I believe, you know, when you go through the gospel, Okay, I believe very strongly that one of the things that Jesus did, okay, one of the things that Jesus did in one of his teachings, he very specifically addresses this location. He does. Alright? He brings out this whole idea that, man, all of you, you know, you are in a specific place when it comes to your journey with the Lord, when it comes to your relationship with the Lord. And, you know, when, when he brought this up, Alright, and the reason I believe Jesus brought this up was not so that, man, you could look at somebody else and say that, you know, you're in that place and, you know, this is where I am. It's not for that purpose at all. But I believe the reason why Jesus brought up this entire topic of location or where you are, you know, in your life with God or in your journey, you know, where you are spiritually, let me put it that way, is to identify where you are so that you can move into the next level and be where God wants you to be spiritually. So without, you know, further this, okay, let me, let me just look into this passage. And many of you, if you've grown up in church at any point of time, you've probably heard this story. It's a parable that Jesus says, all right? So I'm just going to get into the parable and then we'll pick it up from there, all right? Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 1 to 9. And again, he, Jesus, began to teach by the sea. And a great multitude was gathered to him, so that he got into a boat and sacked in it on the sea and the whole multitude was on the land facing the sea. I want to stop right there. I want you to picture the scenario. Alright? Picture the scenario. Where's the scenario? Where do you think this is happening? Anybody? It's happening on the beach side. I mean, imagine having church on the beach side. I mean, maybe we should do that sometime, right? I mean, imagine having beach, I mean, church on the beach side where, you know, there's sea on one end and this land on the other and I mean you know what's, what's amazing about this passage is Jesus' pulpit. You want to see Jesus' pulpit? He got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. 
I mean, if there was someone who was creative with about their pulpit or the stage where they wanted to preach from, I think it was Jesus. Jesus is sitting on the boat. All right, sitting or standing, I think they're sitting. He's sitting on the boat and he's looking to the crowd who's gathered there and he's speaking to them. All right, so I want you to imagine church. All right, verse 2. Then he taught them many things by parables and he said to them in his teaching, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. How many of you know the story? Alright, a sower went out to sow, verse 4, and it happened as he sowed that some seed fell by the wayside, and the birds of the air came and devoured it. Some fell on the stony ground where it did not have much earth, and immediately it sprang up before it because it had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, it was scorched, and because it had no root, it withered away. And some seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. But other seed fell on good ground and yielded a crop that sprang up, increased and produced. Watch. Some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. And he said to them, He who has ears, let him hear. Some of you know the story. What's it popularly called as? The parable of the sower. Exactly. I want you to pay attention to verse 9. And he said to them, He who has ears, let him hear. So I'm assuming... Remember the scenario that I gave to you when they're on a beachside church. Okay. Jesus is standing up on the pulpit. The pulpit is a boat. He's preaching to the crowd that's, you know, gathered around him on the beachside. And then he makes, you know, he says the story. And then finally he says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. So I'm assuming, be with me. I'm assuming that maybe some people there, you know, who was listening that day, maybe they didn't have ears, right? I mean, isn't that what he says? I mean, he who has to hear, who has ears to hear, let him hear. So there must have been some people, right, who did not have ears. Was that what he really meant when he said that? Here's something that I want us to understand. When he's talking about ears here, he has you who has ears, let him hear. What's he really talking about? He's talking about spiritual ears. He's talking about spiritual hearing. And here's what I want us to understand. See, many times, you know, when we go through scripture, when we go through the Bible, here's what I want us to understand about the Bible. The Bible is a spiritual book written by a spiritual being for spiritual beings. What I mean. The Bible is a spiritual book. So every time you go through the Bible, I mean, don't just read through the stories, don't just you know go through this thing, but understand that there is a spiritual connection to some of the things that is mentioned in that book. Why? Because we are spiritual beings and we need to listen to what God has to say through the Spirit. And that is why, you know, when Jesus says this parable, he said, listen, I've told the story, but he who has ears, if you understand the story spiritually, You've got to hear it, not in a natural sense, but in a spiritual sense. You know, for years together, when I used to read, you know, this Mark chapter 4, you know, this entire parable of the sower, all right? I used to think that, man, Jesus is talking about, you know, the heart. Jesus is talking about the ground that is mentioned. You know, three groups of people who had a very bad heart, a very bad ground. Okay, that's why the word that was deposited didn't take fruit. But there was only one kind of group of people, you know, that had a good heart. And that's why, you know... The word sprang up and it bore fruit, 30, 60, and 100 fold. And that's true to a certain extent. But that's not the entirety of this entire parable. I believe Jesus is talking about not just the ground that is there, but Jesus is very specifically saying, listen guys, you need to understand something. Each of you fall into one of these groups spiritually. 
And I want us to look at this parable in that light. And that's why I said in the beginning of the series, this whole idea of the series is not to look at somebody else and determine where they are spiritually now. Is to look at your own personal life and say that, listen, among these four groups of people, where do I fall? Because I promise you that each of us, when you read through, you know, the explanation of this entire parable, when you understand you know, what Jesus is trying to communicate here, I promise you, you will find yourself in one of these groups. And the reason I believe Jesus is bringing up these different groups of people is not just that we determine where we are, but so that we can move into the next group or the next level and be in the final group, which I believe Jesus wants each and every one of us to be. A group that bears fruit 60, 30, 30 60, and 100. Let's read further. Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 10. But when he was alone, who? Jesus. Those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. Let me, let me just stop right there. When he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parable. Can I let you know a little secret? You can read the Bible. You can go to church. And you can be happy that, you know what? Tick box, I've done what I'm supposed to do. Or, you can press on further and say, Lord, Lord, I'm not satisfied where I am. I want I want you to look at the disciples. I mean, think about this. I mean, there was a multitude. That's what, you know, when we read the earlier, the scenario, the setting when Jesus was putting up there, there was an entire multitude that was gathered on the beach. How many people came back to ask him what the parable meant? Just the twelve and the few people around why did these people want to come back? Why did they press on to Jesus? Because here's what I believe. And here's what I want us to understand as a church. When you press on to Jesus, when you're reading through scripture, maybe when you're going through, you know, a worship song, and you feel like, man, I don't understand this. Listen, you're not satisfied with where you are. When you press on to Jesus, I promise you, God will give you a fresh revelation every time you do that. And the reason why the disciples were gathered there was because they all heard the story just like everybody else. And they could have been happy and satisfied and said that, you know what, I'm going back. Okay, it's a good story that he shared. I don't know what he meant by that, but this was good. But these few disciples said that, you know what, we don't just want to hear the story. We want revelation. And they stuck around with Jesus. They hung around with Jesus. And they made sure that, man, till we get a revelation about Jesus, what you've just spoken, we are not going to leave your presence. I promise you, listen, if there's something that you need to understand when you grow in your spiritual life, when you grow in your relationship with the Lord, hunger of God's word, hunger of desiring more and more of God's presence is what will get you deeper and further and will give you fresh revelation every time you choose to do that. Mark's Gospel, okay, let's go on to verse 13. Jesus, and he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? Okay. Now, this, this is really gets me all the time. Jesus is saying, Listen, you don't understand this. How will you understand the rest of the parables? So, when Jesus said that, here's what I want us to think about. Why did Jesus make a statement like that? Because if he has to make a statement like this, and that you don't understand this parable, how will you understand all the other parables? I think, you know, somewhere deep down, Jesus is trying to also implicate, Jesus is trying to make us understand that, listen, this parable is very important for you to understand. And if you can understand this parable, guess what? This could be a key to understanding every other parable that Jesus is going to speak about in the time to come. 
So there was something about this parable that Jesus was saying that, man, you've got to really understand this parable. All right. So let's let's read further. Verse 14 to 20. And he, Jesus goes on to explain, you know, the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones on the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground, who when they hear the word, immediately receive it with gladness, and they have no root in themselves. So endure only for a time. Afterward, when tribulation or persecution arises for the word's sake, immediately they stumble. Verse 18, we'll, we'll be looking you know, in detail about all of these you know, groups. Okay. Now these are the ones who sown among thorns, and these are the ones who hear the word. And the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desire for other things become entering in choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Verse 20, but these are the ones who sown on good ground. Those who hear the word accept it, when bear fruit, some thirtyfold, some sixty, and some a hundred. Jesus goes on to explain the four different groups of people and what he really meant by that. Something that I want us to understand about the word parable. Because you see that, you know, being mentioned in the Gospels every single time. What does it mean by a parable? Let me say, tell you what a parable, you know, in the Greek original translation means. Parable, the original Greek word, it's pronounced as pare, parabole, okay? I think uh, it's easier for us to recognize the word parabola. How many of you have heard of what a parabola is? How many of you remember what it is? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the engineering students might be able to give a little bit on that. Okay, parabola, okay? I want us to... That's how, that's how, to a certain extent, that's how we pronounce it in the original language. Why I'm saying that in the original language is because when you split up these two words, para and bole, okay, para literally means alongside. Para means alongside. Bole means to throw. So in other words, you know, here's what I want us to understand. What does para bole means? To throw alongside. Every time Jesus spoke a parable, do you know what he was trying to do? He would take a truth. He would attach it to a story and he would throw it alongside us so that we could understand the truth that was associated with that story. Alright? Now there's another Greek word and that's the reason I brought this up, okay, the Greek word. I know you love it when I bring Greek words, okay? Another Greek word, and maybe some of you have heard this, okay, the word parakletos. Anyone heard that? Parakletos is reference to the Holy Spirit. Again, what does para mean? Alongside, okay, there's somebody who's paying attention. Are you all awake? Shake up the person sitting next to you and tell them, wake up, wake up, it's not ready to sleep. It's not time to sleep yet. Okay. Para means to throw alongside. Kletos, Kletos means to walk alongside. So here's the good news, you know, that I want us to remember when we leave this church this morning. The Holy Spirit is always walking alongside you every single day. Amen. Alright, turn to the person sitting next to you and tell them the Holy Spirit is walking alongside you. I want you to look at them. If you're not looking at them, I'll, I'll, I'll come and check you out. Alright. There are four groups of people that Jesus is talking about. Alright, and like I said, you know, today and for the next three weeks, we're going to be looking very detail about these four different groups of people. And for us to understand, I've labeled these four groups. The first group of people that I believe Jesus is talking about are the ones who are exploring God. So let me it up here. The first group of people, they're the ones who are exploring God. These are not the ones, you know, who have a relationship as per se with Him. 
These are not the ones you know who have said that, okay, you know what? I know God is there, but I'm still trying to figure out a lot more things. Okay, they have no clue. And, and they are telling this, okay, these are this group of people, okay, if you were to think about it from a friend's point of view, okay, God is still not a friend. They know God, they've heard about him. But they've decided, you know, that man, I need to take some more time before I really become friends with Does that make sense? Okay. So this first group of people, man, they just exploring, they started to figure out things, you know, they just, let me tell you, you know, all these four groups of people are people who attend church. You find them in every single church, okay, church, like ours, a small, or a church of, you know, hundreds and two hundreds or even up to, you know, ten thousand people. You will find, you know, all these four groups of people in every single church. That is, alright. So, the first group of people are the ones who are exploring God, alright. So let's say at some point, you know, they decide that, you know what, I think I want to enter into a relationship with God. So they decide that, you know, they want to accept Jesus Christ. They, they, they decide that, man, uh, I want to, you know, move into the next group of where, you know, everyone is. So they decide, you know, I, I know this is a quote presentation, but uh, how do you think of this as a cross? Should I make a tall cross? So imagine this is a cross, right? I hope I don't offend anybody here. This will illustration is relax. So imagine, you know, they, they come into a relationship with Jesus and then, you know, when they make a relationship with Jesus, when they accept the Lord as their personal Lord and Savior, they come into the second group. You know what's the second group of people? They are, I want to refer to it as the ones who are beginning in God. They're just beginning in their relationship with God. In this group of people, man, they're, they're just learning how to read the word. Okay? They do read the word, but once in a blue moon. You know, they take the Bible like... You know, some, some of these guys, you know, they, they're there in the church. Oh, Bible, man. Where's my Bible at? Yeah, th- th- those are the kind of people. They have no idea what the Bible, where the Bible is, you know. But they do, they do, okay. They pray once in a while, you know, like, exam is coming, exam is coming. No, we need, we need to pray. All right. These are the ones who are just beginning in their relationship with God. They're just learning about, you know, a few of these things. And can I say this, when you were to, if you were to term this, you know, in a group of friendship, okay. There, those group of people, they know God, they've still not made him as friend. Here, they've come into a place where they decide, you know what? Okay, you're my friend. Be there. It's okay. I mean, we're friends, but... Do you have those kind of friends in your life? Come on, church. Of course you do. You know those people that might be sitting next to you in class and like, I know them, but... They're the ones who are beginning in God. But here's the thing, you know, Jesus talks about a third group of people. This group of people, the third group of people, is what I would like to call as the ones who are close to God. This group of people are people, you know, who have been walking with the Lord for a few years now. They have, you know, they have developed a closer relationship with God. They know the scripture. They read the scripture every single day. They, they, they pray every single day. They, they walk with the Lord every single day. They do. But... I mean, in fact, you know, if you were to, again, look at it from a friendship point of view, these are the group, this group of people are the ones who are close friends. They're close friends. And some of you might be thinking, isn't that the best group to be? Yeah, it is, to a certain extent. But Jesus is saying, listen, this is not the group that, you know, I want you to be in. This is, okay, this is a good place to be in. But I want you to move a little more higher. I want you to move into the next level. And here's the last group, you know, that Jesus talks about in that four groups, which I would like to call this group as God's sanctum. 
This group of people are the ones who have made God the center of their lives. Now you might be thinking, what's the difference between you know being close to God versus you know God centered? And I, I promise I'll explain that in a moment. Okay, but here's what I want us to understand: the ones who are close to God. Okay, let me put it this way: imagine you're driving a car. Anyone who knows how to drive a car? Most of you do. It's good. Imagine you're driving a car. The ones who are in this group of who are close to God, they're still driving their car. You know where God is? God is right next to them. So they do ask God, God, where do you want to go? But hey, I'm driving. Okay. They've come to that place where they're willing to understand that, okay, I know I want God in my life. I know I want to do what God sends me to do. I know that, you know, all of these things. But there are certain areas in their life where they're still, you know, a little on shaking ground. They still, you know, there's a certain portion of them that still wants to be in control. You know, the ones who are in God's center, they're taking the hands of the wheel. They're taking the hands of the wheel and they say, you know what, God, I'll sit on the back seat if you, that's okay with you. You please drive my car. You, you take me where you want to take me. You, you know, I will go where you want me to go. I will not ask questions. I will not have, you know, a shadow of doubt. You know, what I want to do or what, you know, you have in store for me. I trust you 100% and I will go where you want me to go. The ones who are God-centered are coming to a place. Can I say this, okay? I mean, this is... Again, this is, this is the language, you know, which, which if you've been, you know, walking with the Lord for years, you understand this language. The ones who are God-centered, can I say this, are the ones who have been married, like, you know, to God for like 20, 30 years now. And they are the ones who are willing to lay their life down for God if God requires them. The ones who are close to God are, you know, still there. They are close to God. They are walking with God. They are, you know, spending time in the presence of God. But God is saying, listen, I don't want you to be satisfied there. I want you to move into a place where you're willing to let complete go, let go completely of everything that is there in your life. And would you trust me 100%? Now, those are the four groups. I want to say a few things about these four groups. Is that okay? I'm just, I want you to understand, I'm just laying the foundation for this series. All right. So I'm just, I wanted to understand a couple of things about these groups. Each of these three, four groups are people who are growing in their relationship with God. Make no mistake. They're all growing in their relationship with the Lord. Even the ones who are God-centered, it's not like you know, they're rich. Now they don't have any more place to go. They're also growing in their relationship with the Lord. Each of these four groups are growing. And can I say this? If at any point you're in one of these groups, Let's say you're in a group that's, you know, close to God. And let's say that you, you, you come to this place where you feel like, you know, I know it all. I know the word. I know the worship song. Class. Everything is, you know, well known to me. At some point in your life, you come to a place where you think you know it all. You think you've arrived. You know what happens? You stop growing. And if you're in a group that is close to God, I promise you this. You will start deteriorating and move backwards instead of moving forwards. You will start moving backwards instead of moving forwards. Another interesting thing about this group, each of these four groups what Jesus mentioned is growing based on what? The word of God. It's the word of God ultimately that enables each of these groups to grow and be in the next level that Jesus is talking about. Now, there's one more thing that I want us to understand. Okay. The, I've mentioned four groups of people here. Right? This is my cross. This is a group, you know, that is still exploring God. They have still not accepted Jesus. They come into church, they listen to the worship song, they listen to the word, they do all of that. But they're still not willing to make a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. There's one more group I've left out. 
You know what good that is? That's a good that you should really understand about. Those group of people are the ones that are far from Like I said, you know, all these soul groups, you find them in any church, you know? And it's easy, you know, to come to a place where, because the ones who are exploring and God have heard about it. They, they understand a few things, you know, here and there about God. It's just that they have not decided to make him their friend. The ones who are far from God have never heard about it. They never stepped into a church environment. And here's why I believe, you know, that group is as important as these four groups. I believe God has called each and every one of us to go out there and speak about him to these people who are far from God. Alright, so that, that's one more thing. Okay, and here's the last thing I want to talk about these groups and then we'll look into the first group, okay, which I want to do today. I believe Jesus, even though we might start here and we might, you know, come into this place and we might move into this place, I believe the place where God or Jesus wants each and every one of us to be is in the God center. He wants each of us to be in that close place of intimacy where, you know, we have learned to let go. And we have said, God, you take complete control of my life. You, you are in charge of my life. You know, when, if you take one step there, that's the place that I'm going to take a step. If you tell me to take a step there, that's the step I'm going to take. I'm not going to ask you any questions. I'm not going to, you know, doubt for a moment that, you know, you want me to go there. If you want me to go there, I'll close my eyes and I'll go there very well. I believe Jesus wants each and every one of us, you know, and like I said, you know, earlier, maybe, you know, maybe you can relate to one of these groups. And I'm hoping that you do. I'm hoping that you would recognize which group you fall under. And I'm hoping and I'm praying that, man, as you keep listening to this, that you would move from where you are into the next level. And that's the level where God wants you to be. So that you would become in a place where you bear fruit, like Jesus said. How much? 30, 60, and 100. Because that's the only group, according to Jesus, that produced fruit. How do you move from one group to the other? Let me just set up one more foundation, alright? To move from this group, where you're, let's say you're exploring God, you've not made a commitment, you've not entered into a relationship with God yet, you've not accepted the Lord Jesus. If you want to move from the group where you're exploring in God to the group that is beginning in God, do you know what is required? You need to have an understanding of the grace of God. I'll explain that in just a moment. But let's say you're in, you've begun in God. You, 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 know, you pray once in a blue moon, you, you touch the scriptures once in a blue moon, you go to church like once on and off, you know, that kind of a setup. You're just beginning in God. You've accepted the Lord. God is your friend. But those ones who are close to God, you know what? Just keep some distance from me. Mm-hmm. Sure, you know that. If you want to move from, if you've just begun in God into a place where you're close to God, do you know what you mean? You need to have a deeper understanding of God's word. And finally, if you're close to God, you have a deeper understanding of God's word, you pray every day, you'll be walking closely to Him. If you want to move from a place where you're close to God to a place where you're God center, God is the center of your life. You know what is required? Which I believe, and we look at that in one of the weeks to come. We have to learn to become kings. We give. We give without measure. Okay. Here's what I want to do, you know, today. I want us to look at the first group of people, the ones who are exploring in God. 
Okay, Mark chapter 4, verse 14 to 15. Here's what it says. Verse 14. The sower sows the word. And these are the ones by the wayside where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan comes immediately and takes the word that was sown in their hearts. This is the first group of people. That's why I believe, you know, these are the ones who are still exploring in God. They're just exploring God. They're trying to figure out, you know, a few things about God here and there. You know what it says there? Verse 15. When they hear the word, what what happens? Come on, church. When they hear, what happens? Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. You know what is interesting about this scripture, this verse? When does Satan come? It's not something. When does Satan come? Immediately. He, he doesn't wait. He doesn't waste any time. Immediately, as soon as you hear the word, immediately he comes to take away that was sown into their hearts. You know, I wish, you know, man, Christians, you know, you know, believers, I wish they were more, you know, immediate about you, their cause and effect. <laughs> they do. Satan it doesn't waste any time. As soon as the word is sown into their hearts, Satan comes immediately and takes them. I don't know if you've ever been in a place where maybe, you know, your friend came to you. They were going through a tough time. Maybe they came to you and, you know, they were asking you questions about God. And then, you know, you were interested. You shared a few things about God to them. And then maybe, you know, one week later, two weeks later, if you try to talk to them about God, what happens? Suddenly, they're not interested anymore. Isn't that true? Suddenly, you know, they seem to have like, you know, two weeks ago when we spoke, you know, you were really wanting to know. Now what happened? Can I tell you what happened? Spiritually, here's what we need to understand. Satan came immediately and took that word away. Satan made sure that the word that you tried to deposit into their heart was taken away immediately. Why does Satan do that? Satan can take the word out of us. That's, that's another thing that I want us to understand. Every word that is being spoken, every word that you hear from the word of God, this is why I keep telling you, listen church, listen, it's important to take down notes. Please take down notes. Every time you know, you're, you're hearing a word, you're hearing a sermon, even let it be on YouTube. I don't know. I mean, many of us, you know, we, we have that thing now. We listen to sermons on YouTube. That's fine. I'm not against that. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to write it down because listen, if this is true what Jesus said, Satan is waiting there just to take it away from you. What you heard, you might have felt good. You might have felt encouraged. But man, I'm telling you, Satan is waiting there right at that door. As soon as, you know, you get that word, he wants to take it away from you. Why does he want to take the word away from you? Because there's a possibility that if that word remains, it can bear the fruit that God wants it to. And Satan doesn't want that. The same parable is mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew. Okay, Matthew chapter 13, verse 19. Here's what he says. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches it away, snatches away what is sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. Let me give you a quick tip. Okay. If you ever study the Bible, if you ever try to study the Bible, it's important to understand one thing. As you read one scripture, okay, this is a quick tip, okay, if you're into, you know, if you want to really become a student of God, if you want to become a serious student of God, don't just read that scripture and leave it and try to figure out what it means. Go through other references in the scripture itself. Not commentaries, not, you know, what this preacher said or not what that preacher Go through the scripture itself to see if there's another verse that, you know, correlates or is, you know, alongside what you've just shared. 
Matthew's gospel and Luke's gospel records this story. Okay, and Matthew's gospel, this is what he says, you know, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom, does not understand it. Look at this. He adds one thing more. When anyone hears the word, Mark's gospel, when anyone hears the word, Satan comes and snatches the devil. Luke adds one more concept to this. I mean, Matthew adds one more concept to the word of them. When anyone hears the word and does not understand it. Does that, does that, can, you, can you go back to... Can you go back to Mark? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's right there. Look at what Mark says. When they hear, Satan comes immediately, right? What does Matthew add? Look at it, look at it. What does Matthew add? When anyone hears of the word and does not understand it. He takes it one step further, Matthew. And he says, listen, not only does they, it's just not about hearing the word. And when they don't understand it, that's when Satan comes. Now, you want to see what Luke says? Now this should get this should get you excited about God's word. God's word, I mean, telling you, I'm telling you, it's it's the best place to study ever. Mark says it's just about hearing. Matthew says it's not just about hearing, but it's about understanding. Now Luke adds one more into this particular story. You ready? Here's what it says. Luke, okay, uh, Luke chapter eight verse twelve. Those by the wayside are the ones who hear. Then the devil comes and takes the word out of their hearts. Why? Luke adds a reason to it. Why? Lest they should believe and be saved. If there's any reason, if there's any motive for Satan to come and take the word that is shown, you could be listening on a Sunday morning, you could be listening to the message that is being preached. There. And I'm telling you, Satan is waiting right there. He's waiting to snatch it away. And if you're in that first group of people, if you've not you know, still given your life to Jesus, if you're still in this group, we're just exploding God, I promise you this. Satan is waiting to take that word away from you. Do you know why? So that man, if you get to understand that word, not only do you hear, you understand that word, you might actually believe in Jesus. And Satan doesn't want that. Hello? Satan doesn't want you to believe in Jesus. Because if you believe in Jesus, you know what's the problem? You might enter into a relationship with God. And he does not want you to have a relationship with God. Why? Because if you enter into a relationship with God, Satan knows that man, there's a possibility you might move into a place where you're close to him. You might move into a place where you let go of complete control and you give it to God completely. And you come into that place where you start bearing fruit in your life. And can I tell you something? The only person who does not want you to bear any fruit whether you're a complete failure, whether you're a complete mess up. Man, you put your hours and hours into your studies, you put your hours and hours into your career, into your calling, everything that you do, and you still do not bear fruit. Do you know who wants that? Satan does. If there's anyone who would want to sit and laugh away at, you know, your failures and your mess ups, it is Satan. And he does not want you know, the fruit that is being spoken about here. 30, 60, 100 fold. Man, if you start bearing fruit in God, Satan is lost. Satan has lost. And church, here's what I want us to hear this morning. Listen, are you bearing fruit? Are you bearing fruit the way that God wants you to? Because again, like I'm telling you, this is, this is if you can understand the series, I'm telling you, it's, it's very powerful. It will set you free. It will set you free. Okay. So, here's what I want to do. I want us to look at, you know, this first book. What does Satan want, the ones who are in this group? The ones who are exploring God. What does Satan want? That man, if you're sitting here this morning, if you're in this place where you're just exploring God, 
You've never given your life to Jesus. I mean, man, you're a faithful goer of church. You take part in the community. You, you know, you worship the Lord. You, you can sing well. You can do all these things well. But at no point in your life you've come into a place where you say that, you know what, Jesus? I want to make you the Lord of my life. If you're in this room, what is Satan? Why is Satan so immediate about taking the word away from you? What does he not want you to Here's point number one. Three small points and we close. Three things that I believe Satan does not want us to believe and be saved. Number one, salvation. If you know, you've heard this word, okay, I'll explain that in a moment, okay? Salvation or being saved, it's not based on your works. It's not based on your works. Satan does not want people to believe that you will get salvation through the works that you do. If you, you know, there's this, there's this popular concept, I mean, many, you know, when you take up any religion, when they talk about salvation, what's the thing that they do? They talk about, you know, the good works that you have to do. If you do good works here, ta -ta 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 -ta, there is a possibility you can get to heaven. And you know what God's word teaches us? God's word says, man, it's nothing good that you can do that can make you get to heaven. There's only one way to heaven. You believe. Believe. Are you willing to believe? It's not about how many good works that you did. Many times, you know, man, even believers, I've seen this happen so many times. Believers come into this place where they say that, you know what, God? I spent a lot of time in your presence today. I went to church. I didn't understand a word that was spoken there, but amen. And well, you know, everybody was singing songs. I also sang the song. And I said hello to a few people in the church. I didn't know that. God, please answer my friends. Or God, I've been attending church every day. I mean, every Sunday. Great. Church every day. What do you want to do? I'll do it if you promise you'll come. So spiritual. So, so, so many spiritual things you're doing. Then you know, you say, you take all these things before God and say, God, see what I've done, God. I've done all of this for you. I've read your words, studied it like crazy. Why would you do this for me? Can I tell you something, church? Man, it's never about how much work that we can do. Look at what Paul says in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 9. For by grace you have been saved through what? It's up there. Can you can put up the scripture? For by grace you have been saved through what? What's faith? Come on, church. What's faith? Believe. Do you believe? Do you believe? What? That not of yourself, that it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. No one can boast and say, you know what? The reason I'm saved today is because I have done a lot of good works. I have a list of the good deeds that I have done. I have a list of all the good stuff that I have ever done in my life. I've never missed church on a Sunday. But yet, you've never come into a close and personal relationship with the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You know, one of the things that, you know, some young people, you know, when I've uh, spoken to them personally, here's what they say. I ask them, man, do you think you're a Christian? Yeah, I am. I say, why? Man, I've been going to church all my life. My parents are Christian, and I've been born into a Christian home, and I've been attending Christian church. What does it say? 
you get saved through faith. It's your faith that matters. It's not the faith of your parents. It's not the faith of, you know, somebody else who believes, you know, in Jesus Christ. Do you believe in Jesus Christ is a question that we need to ask. John's Gospel, chapter 6, verse 28 to 29. And then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Look at, look at what Jesus says. Okay. Verse 29. Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. That's the only thing, that's the only prerequisite, that's the only thing that Jesus is asking of you. Do you believe? Are you willing to believe? Why are you just saying that, you know what, man, I'm, I'm going to church, I'm good, I'm happy. If at any point you want to move, you know, from that group, you've got to learn to accept this cross was for you. This cross was meant for you. Jesus did it for you. Are you willing to believe this? And are you willing to give your life for this? So that you can come into a close and personal relationship with Jesus. Number one, it's not based on works. Salvation, number two, it's a free gift. It's free. Can I ask you this question, Judge? Have you ever given a gift to somebody? Come on. Bought the gift. Removed the pricing. Right? You don't want them to know how much you paid for it, right? And then you wrapped it up. And then what did you do? You gave it to them. And if they were to ever at any point come and ask you, Hey, you got me this? How much did you pay for it? Would you say them the answer? Would you tell them how much you paid for it? Let's say someone bought you an iPhone 15. I'm sure some of you woke up with that. Free. It's all yours. iPhone 15. Would you, would you, would you? iPhone 15. Oh wait, iPhone 15 is cheap, right? What, what is that iPhone 15 Pro Max? What's it called? Pro Max, that's, a, that's the most one there. Most of you know your stuff. Good. Someone came and told you, hey, I want to gift you an iPhone 15 Pro Max. I'll try to do it for you. I'll try to do it for you. I'm just saying, assume somebody came and told you, I want to give you an iPhone 15 Pro Max. What would you do with that gift? No, 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 I can't accept this from you. Would you say that? You might, right, if it's just a friend. But if it's your parents? Hello? Would you ask them the price? Oh, dad, you shouldn't have. How much did you pay? Would you ask them the question? No. My son was. <laughs> At least my son is paying attention to my message. Why wouldn't we ask them the price if they're so close to us? This is what we know. We know that they love us. And the reason they're getting it for us is because at some point in our minds we think that man, I'm entitled to it. Why? Because I am their son or I am their daughter. Can I tell you something? Your heavenly father 
was willing to come to a place and he said that man you're so far away you look so messed up that's not the place that I designed you to be that's not the place that I want you to be I'm going to get you a very 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 expensive gift and it's free don't even ask me for the price because I'm paying the whole price for it and I want you to come into a place where man you just take it it's just a gift that I'm giving to you out of my love for you yes you are entitled to you are my son you are my daughter take it and Jesus he sent his son Jesus to die on the cross he paid it full all the price any price and man he's not going to even tell you how much because today morning he sang this worship song what come on what's the song that he sang I don't know how much it was for you to go up on that cross I'll never know how much it was it's a free gift Paul says this so much six and three for the wages of sin is death but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord and here's the last one it's easy to receive it's easy to receive you don't have to work for it I mean, it's a gift You just go ahead and receive Romans chapter 10 verse 9 to 10 what it says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead you will be saved that's it you confess with your mouth and you believe in your heart verse 10 for the heart with the heart one believes into righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation All you have to do is believe. So this morning, I want to ask you this question. Maybe, maybe some of you will be there in front of you. Or maybe you are not in this group yourself. But you know people who are there in this group. You know people who are there in this group. They are exploring God. They are trying to figure out, man, who is this God? And they might come and ask you a few questions about who this God is. Man, you go to church every Sunday. And you know you worship this Jesus. Man, can you tell me a few things about this? And can I tell you the biggest and the best thing that you could ever do to that friend who asks you about God is to tell them, listen, you can also enter into a beautiful relationship with this God. Because it's free. It's not based on what you've done. And you can easily receive it. All you have to do is confess it and believe it. This morning, church in closing, I want us to evaluate your own heart. I want us to look into your own heart. Because I, like I said, you know, I know I've taken a long time, you know, today to just lay the foundation, you know, about these four groups. I know that. And trust me, don't miss next week, the week after that. Okay. We're going to look in detail about, you know, what it means after moving into a relationship with Jesus Christ. You begin in God and you move into a place where you're close to God and you move into a place where you are But this morning, what I want us to do this morning, if you think that man, I'm in this room, I'm, I'm I've been exploring God for a while. I've been going to church for a while. I've been trying to figure out things about God you know, for a certain period of time. And I think you know, I want to go into that place where I want to begin a new relationship with God. I want to receive this gift that God is talking about. This morning, church, if that person is you, I want you to come into a place where you need to accept Jesus Christ. You need to do that. 
Would you do that this morning when you say that, Lord, I, I, I've been exploring God for a long time. And some of you, you know, we are in this place. Maybe you know, you know, no one has spoken to you about salvation. Maybe no one has told you that time. It's not just enough that you go to church. It's not just enough that you know you're part of everything that's happening in church. But you need to come into a place where you believe God for yourself. You come into a place where you believe that, man, what Jesus did on the cross that day was not just, you know, for the general mankind, but it was for you and you alone. And he thought of you when he went up on that cross. He thought of everything that he could do so that, man, you could receive this gift that, you know, he's talking about. And you could come into a place of saving grace. Just this morning, I want each of us, you know, just this moment, can we all just close our eyes and as we look to the Lord? And I want us to, you know, look to the Lord. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, what are you trying to say to me this morning? Like I said, you know, man, maybe some of us here this morning, you know, we are in that group, we're trying to explore who God is. We're trying to figure out it doesn't make any sense. I mean, how can how can you know God just forgive and forget everything you know that I've done in the past? Like we looked at you in the communion time. Jesus paid for every one of those sins that we did. Everything was taken care of. We didn't have to figure out man how we want to get to the next place. If you find yourself in that place this morning where you're still exploring God. And if you come into that place where you say that this morning, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to take this time to extend that invitation to all of you who stand in that place. Maybe you want to come into this place where you want to come into this relationship with Jesus. You want to accept this gift that God wants to give to you. It's free, it doesn't cost you a time. And you can easily receive. Church, can you just stand up to the presence of God this morning? I just wonder if any one of us wants to accept Jesus Christ, wants to come into that new relationship with Jesus Christ. You've been exploring God and you've heard so many things and you've been contemplating, should I, should I not? And if you feel this morning that the Holy Spirit is trying to tell you, listen, why don't you take that step? If that is you this morning, I'm going to say a prayer right now and I want you to repeat that prayer after me. Father God, I come into your presence today. I want you to repeat after me. If this is something that you feel strongly in your spirit, that you feel that I want to come into that place that I'm accepting, I want to come into that relationship with God, I want you to repeat this after me. The words that I'm going to speak. Father God, I want to come into your presence this morning. And I believe with my heart that you died on the cross for me. You were buried for me. And you rose again on the third day for me. That all of my sins you have forgiven, Lord. And today I can come into a new relationship with you. Lord, this morning. I want to make you the Lord of my life. I don't want to be exploring God, but I want to start a new relationship. I want to believe in God, in Jesus' name. So this morning, if you do that prayer, I want you to understand, you've come into a beautiful relationship with God. If you've made that prayer, 
you've moved from the group of exploring God, you've come into a place where you're going to begin a new relationship with God. That really spoke to me and I pray that it spoke to you as well. I want you to remember this. It doesn't matter what you're going through and where you're at, our Heavenly Father is always with you. I want to say this, if you need prayer or you want to reach out to us, send us an email or DM us on Instagram. You know, let us know if we can serve you in any way. Just a reminder, don't forget to subscribe so that you can tune in with us again and I'm really hoping to see you next week.